On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the Model Y gets more affordable in the form of a standard range version and finally gets its seven-seater option. Plus, Tesla annihilates its previous record for vehicle deliveries in a quarter and a year, a new nugget of info about the Tesla Semi's autopilot setup, China takes back the record for biggest supercharger in the world, and more. What's happening, friends? It's episode 284 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for January 10th, 2021. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, joined on the couch to my left by Daisy the Boxer. And uh, another busy week of Tesla news. Fortunately, my week started with something good, which was the delivery of my Tesla tequila that, yes, I have no intention whatsoever to drink. It will simply be a set display in the background of any IGN video I'm on for as long as we're working from home. So if you follow me on IGN, you watch my stuff on IGN, you can see it behind me now in any of the videos I do. But I'll tell you, I did have a bit of a strange delivery situation with my Tesla tequila. So it wasn't shipped by UPS or FedEx or any of the major ones. I guess it was just a a shipping company. It was alcohol. So apparently I'd heard from other folks that had ordered it online. It was supposed to be requiring a signature of an adult. So uh, I'm, I'm hanging out on my couch on New Year's Eve. Uh, so that was their last business day of the year. You know, the next day was going to be a holiday and then it was the weekend anyway. So, okay. And I'm just hanging out and it's in the morning. It was about maybe 10.35 a.m. And I happened to check my email. And in my email is a message from the shipping company that says, oh, we attempted delivery at 1028, like just a few minutes prior, and there was nobody home, so we'll deliver it the next business day, which isn't going to be till Monday after the new year. And I I ended up, I tried to call and get it rescheduled and didn't have any luck there, but it was just so frustrating because clearly no one came to the door. There was no delivery attempt. I think the, the delivery driver probably just saw the list of things that they had to do that day, saw their delivery manifesto and went, you know what? It's New Year's Eve. I don't have to work tomorrow. I want to go home. So I'm just going to mark a couple of these as that they weren't home. And then there's and then there's just kick the can down the road till next week. So a little bit of a, of a frustrating moment there. But hey, like I said, I wasn't going to drink it anyway. It got here intact, all good on Monday. And I'll tell you, it really is impressive to look at like the bottle. I mean, it is an impressive piece of, in my humble opinion, art. I mean, it is, it's, you will not see another bottle of alcohol that looks like this. So it's pretty cool. Tesla has said, of course, that they will not, they don't intend to make any more of the tequila, but they will make more of the bottles and sell the bottle with a shot glass set. So if you are interested in it, you should have a chance to get it into your home and, and fill it with your own beverage of choice hopefully sooner rather than later. All right, let's get rolling with the Tesla news. There is a ton of it this week, and it is some good stuff. In fact, the top story, now, the top story all week, uh, as I had been preparing the show, was going to be the production and delivery numbers for not just Q4, but for all of 2020. Ordinarily, that would be the top story 
because especially with the numbers that I am going to share with you, if you haven't heard them yet, but uh, we got a big story that dropped late in the week, and that is this. The Model Y, after Elon had previously said they were not going to do a standard range Model Y after all, well, that has seemingly, not seemingly, that has changed. They are doing a standard range Model Y, and it is available right now. And so is the seven-seater Model Y that I know a number of people have been waiting for as well. In fact, both of those were promised, and you could reserve them in March of 2019, 22 months ago at the original Model Y reveal. And now here we are, the standard range has become a reality, as has the seven-seat option. So the standard range Model Y starts at $42,000, or $41,990, but I'm rounding up. It's got a 244-mile range, so a, a decent bit less than the Model 3 standard range plus. And of course, you are paying a bit more for it, $4,000 more than the, the Model 3 standard range plus, but you're getting a ton more cargo room, obviously, than the Model 3 Standard Range Plus. The design studio is showing delivery in as little as two weeks. It's also of note, it's got the regular full premium interior that the other Model Y trims have, rather than the partial premium interior that the Model 3 Standard Range Plus has. So that's definitely of interest as well. Now I know a lot of people out there have been waiting for a more affordable Model Y, but I know that many of those people were hoping for a long-range rear-wheel drive that would still get around 300 miles or more, but cost a bit less than what the Model Y dual motor starts at, which is 49,000. Uh, I guess 50,000. It's like 49,990, so it's 50k on the long range. But uh, this is certainly not that. However, the single most important thing that Tesla continues to need to do on all of their cars is, and you've heard Elon say this repeatedly, is to get the price of the cars down, to make the cars more affordable. This does that in a notable way. The, as I mentioned earlier, the standard range plus Model 3 is 263 miles, starts at 38,000, and now you've got a five-seat family crossover SUV in the form of this standard range Model Y starting at $4,000 more than that. You get, as I said, a lot more cargo space for your $4,000, and you do get a better interior as well. That said, if you are weighing whether or not to go standard range or long range, it's a pretty big gap both in price and what you get. You know, it's an $8,000 difference and for that 8,000, you're getting 82 more miles of range plus all-wheel drive handling and better performance. So there's a pretty sizable gap there. You know, you're either gonna go to one or go to the other. You're, you're, which is probably on purpose. You know, it's there's, there's not really they're not super close, so that you're kind of torn. Well, they're both you know kind of similar. Like no, there's there's a pretty big gap between these two vehicles. They should serve people. Uh, very differently, I think. Now, this part is purely my own speculation, but I have to wonder now if this could mean that the long-anticipated, long-range rear-wheel drive variant that I touched on a moment ago, I wonder if that might not happen now. 
After all, Elon had previously said that the originally planned standard range Model Y wouldn't happen, and yet here we are, so maybe the originally planned long-range rear-wheel drive Model Y that was supposed to happen won't happen. I don't know, but I say that because I'm not so sure it makes a lot of sense to have a standard range, a long-range rear-wheel drive, a long-range all-wheel drive, and the performance. That is a lot of variation. Now, the crossover SUV market is very large in North America, so maybe the market is big enough to support that many variations, but I'm not so sure. So if you've got a reservation for a long-range rear-wheel drive Model Y, you've got a bit of a decision here. Do you go for this, or do you continue to hold out for the vehicle that you reserved? It's going to be interesting to see what happens, but... It's uh, at least it wasn't a shock that this happened when it did, because a lot of us expected some changes in uh, Q1 here, the traditionally slow Q1, particularly after, of course, I mean, Elon telegraphed it. He had said in Q3 that they would probably be doing the the rear wheel drive, the single motor Model Y in uh, the deliveries of those would start in early December that ended up being, uh, well, I guess that ends, it's going to end up being more like mid to late January. And instead of a long range battery, it's a standard range battery. So here we are. Uh, the standard range has arrived. Now, the other part of this should also make some of you who've been waiting happy as well. As I said, you can now order the seven seat version. It is a $3,000 add on and the design studio mentioned something I, I don't believe I've seen before. Pardon me if this has been out there and I've just missed it. But the third row, those two seats back there, do have, uh, they each have a USB-C port, just as the second row passengers do on the back of the center console. So that is good news for the third row occupants if they have any devices back there. I mean, you're probably going to have kids back there. Uh, for the headroom issues and the legroom issues that, that that third row is likely to incur. So, you know, if you if you want to have some kind of electronic device to occupy them in the car, uh, you'll have the ability to have that plugged in, provided that it's a USB-C capable device. And by the way, those, those third row seats are indeed forward-facing, just as the prototype Model Y that I was lucky enough to ride in two years ago had suggested all along. What will be interesting to see is just how much room will be back there. The second row does slide back and forth, so you can move it forward to give the third row occupants a bit more leg room, of course, at the expense of the leg room of the second row occupants, but it that is possible, so you can uh, adjust a little bit. But... Uh, I'm actually more concerned, which I've been saying all along since March of 2019, I'm concerned with the headroom back there because you've got that hatchback glass roof that's sloping back down over your head in that third row. So uh, once people take deliveries of these, you can count on plenty of videos of kids being put in there and adults trying to get in there and seeing how comfortable it is. So uh, those are going to, again, those are going to deliver in as little as two weeks. The design studio is currently showing two to five week delivery times for the seven seat version, uh, as well as the standard range version, which, and yes, you can get the standard range with a seven seater. However, 
Strangely, the seven seat option is not available on the performance version as of now. And I have to say, I'm at a loss as to why that is. Because the hardware in the long range, which has the seven seat option, and the performance, which doesn't, are the same. There's not a physically larger motor in the performance Y that would prevent the that would physically prevent the third row from going in there. So I the only thing that comes to mind is that maybe it's some kind of production related reason that I would imagine, again, this is just me talking out loud here. I don't know anything for sure, but I would imagine that that's temporary. I would imagine that at some point you are going to be able to order the performance version in a seven seater, but we'll see how that goes in the next you know, two to four weeks, maybe. One other tiny note. Uh, remember the updated door trim that I told you about from the Shanghai built Model 3 and Model Y? I think that was either one show or two shows ago. Well, if you're curious, uh, it is not coming stateside just yet, despite these new Model Y options and variants. The design studio right now still shows the same door panels that the Model Y has always had, again, at least for now, that could change at any time. Finally on this topic, before I move on to the Q4 and overall 2020 production and delivery numbers, there's one other new Model Y item in the online Tesla shop, which is of course shop.tesla.com. And that is a paint protection film kit for the, the area near the rear wheels, just in front of the rear wheels, just like the one that they sell for the Model 3. It's $50, comes with a squeegee to help, you know, get it on there and get the bubbles out. And it goes, as I said, it goes on the rear doors just in front of the rear wheel. So take a look at that on the Tesla shop if you are interested. Okay, production and delivery numbers for 2020. These were hilariously, at least, well, hilariously to me, a guy that records his podcast late Friday nights. These numbers were sent out by Tesla the very next morning after I recorded. At Seriously, it was, it was a good, let's see, no more than about eight hours after I recorded. I woke up on Saturday and there they were. Tesla sent out the press release on a Saturday. Uh, I had thought, well, maybe Monday, right? Because Monday was going to be, I think, the the fourth of the month and, you know, let the dust settle a little bit. Nope. Tesla wasted no time. January uh, 2nd, I guess that would have been, they sent out those numbers. And here they are, Tesla's press release saying as follows. In 2020, we produced and delivered half a million vehicles in line with our most recent guidance. In addition, Model Y production in Shanghai has begun, with deliveries expected to begin shortly. And here are the numbers. First, for Q4, for Model S and X combined, they produced just over 16,000 vehicles, and they delivered just under 19,000 S's and X's. For Model 3 and Model Y combined, they are not separated out, they are given as one total. The 3 and the Y had a total production in the quarter of 163,660 vehicles. So, you know, averaging 80,000 each, 
but who knows quite what the difference was if the Model Y has ramped all the way up yet to match the 3 or if the 3 might have been a little more. I'm not sure. I mean, I would imagine the 3 is more just because it's it's in more markets than the Y currently is. I mean, yes, Shanghai is building Model 3s for China, but Fremont is still building Model 3s for Europe at this point in time. Well, the Shanghai has started to send 3s to Europe, but uh, anyway, point is 163,000 plus combined on production. Deliveries were just a tad under that at 161,650. Total for the entire company then across S3, X, and Y, production 179,757 cars in Q4, and they delivered 180,570 cars. That is incredible. Now, for the year, S and X combined, I'll just give you deliveries, uh, 57,039 SNX deliveries in the year 2020, and the 3 and the Y combined delivered 442,511, totaling, I'll give you both here because the, the both numbers are very relevant to uh, the, what I'm about to talk about, total production for all four cars in 2020, 509,000 737 deliveries in all of 2020. Listen to this 499,550. We'll come back to that in a second. First, though, can we just take a moment and consider how incredible a Q4 that Tesla just had? 180,000 deliveries in a single quarter. Compared to where Tesla has been up to up until this point, that is astounding. To give you a little context, compared to Q4 of last year, 2019, that was 112,000. That is an increase of 60% year over year. Now, the bulk of that, no doubt, comes from two sources. One, a quick ramp up of the Model Y, which of course in Q4 of 2019 wasn't out yet. And then the other source, number two, would be Model 3 in Shanghai, which also wasn't around yet in Q4 of 2019. For further context, in 2018, which is when I got my car, and I know a lot of you out there got your Model 3s, or S's or X's certainly as well. So in 2018, just two years ago, Tesla delivered 245,000 cars for the entire year, and they just did 180,000 in a quarter. In all of 2017, Tesla did 103,000 deliveries. So in, in Q4 of 2019, they did more than all of 2017 combined. In Q4 here of 2020, they did... Uh, almost, well, yeah, almost as much as all of 2018 combined as this company has continued to ramp up so much so quickly, the growth that Tesla is achieving is simply phenomenal. Now, second here, I wanted to, to come back. Well, actually, I guess real quick, I'll mention the, 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 the how sh- close they just came. Now, if you've been following the stock at all lately, whether you have any or not, 
you will see that the uh, market clearly did not care that Tesla technically missed its delivery guidance by 450 cars, 499,550. The stock has been, again, continuing on just on a, a, a fittingly a rocket ship like trajectory. It closed the week surging to $880.02, making Elon Musk the richest person in the world for the time being. Obviously, most of that wealth is tied up in shares. It's not liquid, but uh, the guy is is sitting pretty. I think it's pretty fair to say. But uh, but yeah, the market not phased by the delivery number coming a mere 450 cars short. But of course, production well exceeding half a million at 509,000. Uh, they were about what almost two percent over uh, over that uh, that guidance. So that is good stuff. Now, I wanted to comment real quick here on the Model S and X deliveries specifically, because taking a look at them as somebody uh, who's been watching Tesla for a long time, it's they were they're really interesting to me because well, number one, you know, Tesla combines them into one figure, as I said, just as they do with the three and the Y. But I wanted to point something out. 57,000 S's and X's combined for the whole year. If you're new to Tesla in the last few years, as I know many of you are, and understandably so, you know, it's the Model 3 has, and now the Y has, has uh, brought in so many new people that, that just weren't really following the company in the S days or even when the X was around. The S and the X used to each do 50,000 cars a year individually in 2016, 2017, before the Model 3 entered the picture. Now, I say that, when I point that out, I'm not criticizing Tesla here. I bring it up because this is their plan. They want the higher volume cars to be sold. They do have high margins on all their cars, to be clear. It's not that the S and the X don't make the money. They do. But selling the 3 and the Y at volume is not only the quicker way to achieve Tesla's mission statement, but it's the better route for their business from a financial perspective. But it's plain to see that the 3 and the Y have have absolutely eaten into the demand for the S and the X. There's no question about that. And really, understandably so. I've said this before on the podcast, but again, in my humble opinion, that's all it is, my humble opinion, I don't mean, I'm not disrespecting the, the S and the X here at all, but I think the 3 and the Y are about 75% as good of a car as the S and the X are respectively for about 50% of the price. And that's that, that math is hard to argue with for a lot of people. Now, again, don't get me wrong. The S and the X are world-class cars, world-class cars. The Model S is still arguably one of the the very, very best cars in the world. Now, Elon straight up said when he was asked about the S and the X about mm, three, four earnings calls ago that he was asked about the S and the X and he straight up said that Tesla is only still making them for sentimental reasons. Do you remember that? I don't know if you remember that clip from maybe, you know, a year or so ago. 
The reality is the three and the Y are just very, very attractive. Now, the sentimental reasons thing too, and I think I said this at the time, so pardon me if I'm repeating myself, but that gels with something that I, I know I've mentioned on the show, but just once or twice a while back, a, a, a now former Tesla engineer once told me, while he was still with the company, by the way, and this was around the time that the Model 3 had launched, he told me that there was a time uh, that Tesla was debating whether or not to kill the S and the X altogether, just voluntarily, just shut, just cancel them, put them down uh, once the 3 and the Y got up to volume production because those were going to be the focus and the money makers for the company. Fortunately, that does not look like it's going to happen now, not with the Plaid Model S coming up and supposedly, according to Elon, a Plaid X later on as well. But clearly, the 3 and the Y really are the focus. Now, I do think that if the S and the X do get those long-rumored redesigns, I mean, if that production line shutdown that's coming to an end this week is indeed for a refresh of those cars then we'll know for sure that Tesla is recommitting to both of those vehicles for the long haul. I certainly hope they do. I want to round this segment out by wishing a sincere congratulations to everybody at Tesla on what was an incredible, just a gangbusters quarter. Uh, Next up, by the way, the earnings call, which will probably get its date announced this week. I'm guessing I'll be able to report that to you next week, but I'm going to go on record. They've been doing the earnings call a touch earlier in recent quarters than they had been previously. That's probably because they've had good news to report. So anyway, I'm going to guess, and I'll, again, should hopefully be able to let you know for sure next week, but I predict that the earnings call is going to come on Wednesday, January 27th. So we'll see about that. A follow-up to last week about whether or not the pedestrian warning speaker can be installed in cars that were built during or after September 2019, but don't have it. This, of course, is referring specifically to those early build Model Ys. Now, listener David Tooker, who uh, has managed to figure out the following here by digging around both in his own car and working with some fellow members of the community, David says... You can purchase the pedestrian warning speaker from Tesla and install it yourself. Rebooting will make the standard driving sounds work. If your car wasn't shipped with the speaker already installed, Tesla won't push the Boombox app to your car, even though you now have a working speaker. He says, 2018 and 2019 Model 3s without the newest wiring harness cannot have the speaker installed. He says, I tried. Uh, he also notes that maybe a kit could come later for older Model 3s. I, I personally doubt that, but you never know. Now, for some folks, this might not be worth the expense or the hassle of, of crawling under the car to install it. But if you are interested in having that pedestrian warning speaker, even though you seemingly won't be able to make any custom sounds come out of it, uh, you might have an opportunity to make it happen if you go ahead and purchase that speaker from Tesla yourself. So thank you very much for that, David. Next this week, our white hat hacker friend at green, the only on Twitter is back at it again. 
this time digging out a little nugget about the Tesla Semi in the firmware code that he is always crawling around in. He tweeted, hmm, I did not notice at first, but it seems production autopilot code has a little bit of semi code in it too. Interesting to know that the semi only has 10 cameras. The extra camera is labeled right repeater two. So just one right repeater was not enough. Also, he notes that it's currently on the semi he's referring to here is on currently on hardware 3.2. Now your first thought here might mirror mine, which was, wait, doesn't 10 mean that there are two extra cameras? Since the cars, our cars, have eight cameras around them? Well, in a follow-up tweet to somebody asking that very thing, uh, Green counts nine cameras because he's counting the cabin-facing camera, which, yes, of course, does count. So anyway, yeah, I suppose that the extra camera being on the passenger side is probably to help autopilot see where the driver cannot. Whereas on the left side, he's got, you know, the mirror, he's he's, uh, got a maybe an easier view of things. However, I know nothing about trucking. I've never driven a semi truck. I've never ridden in a semi truck. So I'm just guessing there. And thus, if any of the professional truck drivers in my audience, and I know a few of you are out there, Eric in Australia comes to mind. If any of you have a better idea about why the extra camera would go on the opposite side from the driver, please feel free to call in on the Ride the Lightning hotline, which I'll give you the call-in information for in a little while, or email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com, because I would like to educate myself about uh, why that camera is going to be, that extra camera is going to be where it is. Regardless, though, I'll tell you, I can't wait to see the final semi-truck later this year. I can't wait to see it. I mean, obviously, I'm never going to own it. I'm probably never going to ride in it, and I'm almost certainly never going to drive it. Although, technically, technically, as part of the secret referral program, the secret levels, I was supposed to get a, I was supposed to be able to literally, quote, race the Tesla Semi. Not sure that's ever going to happen. It's okay if it doesn't. I'm not going to hold it against them. It would be fun, though. But in any case, uh, yeah, I'm eager to see the final specs on the Tesla Semi, the particularly the range. I'm curious to see, uh, and also the charging, you know, the mega chargers and how those are going to work and how long that's going to take. I'm really eager to learn about the Tesla Semi. As I said, it's not for any of us, but it's just a fascinating new market that Tesla is going to break into, and it will be fun to track. Meanwhile, in the UK, the Model 3 was the number one selling new car in the month of December. This story, uh, I found it on Teslarati, but it is from Twitter user Tavi citing some data. He writes, the Tesla Model 3 takes the top spot in new car registrations in the UK in December, according to a new release from UK's Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders. Now, here's the data for you. The three had 5,798 new registrations, beating out the number two selling car, the Volkswagen Golf, by 29%, the Golf had 4,770 new registrations. And uh, those two really, it, there's a big drop off after that. Those two were pretty well head and shoulders above everything else. Again, new car registrations. Uh, I have to say, I admit, 
I'm not sure. I don't know about the UK's market as much. I don't know if there is SUV and crossover crazy there the way we are here in the, in the United States. And as such, I'm not sure whether or not the Model Y will stand to shoot up the sales charts over there once the right-hand drive versions of it find their way into the country. Probably, uh, that's probably going to happen out of Giga Berlin, I would imagine, once that plant comes online later this year. But judging from the rest of the cars on the list, so you got the Model 3, the Golf, Ford Fiesta, the VW ID3, the Mini Cooper, Mercedes A-Class, etc., uh, not a single SUV on on that in that group. I think there might have been one. I think there was a Volvo on there as well. So it would seem anecdotally based on that that the SUV crossover market is not quite as as prominent in the UK as it is here. But still, as more Model 3s are going to get sold in the UK, uh, it should still continue to be a popular car there. Because remember, there still aren't too many Model 3s in the UK as of yet. They're, uh, you know, they do the, the batches of right-hand drive Model 3s here. I see them heading up the freeway towards the shipping port uh, whenever I'm, I'm out and about heading down south of San Francisco to down the peninsula, which I do often. And you can see the, the trucks, the, the truck carriers full of, you know, six, seven, eight Model 3s. And if, if, you, if you get a close enough look, Particularly early in the quarter, you'll usually see that they're right-hand drive cars. But they, so they still, they're only getting batches every so often. Once Giga Berlin opens, that should increase the number of cars that can, or, or at least the frequency and certain, probably the overall number of cars as well that'll get out to the UK and help the Model 3 stay number one on the charts over there. Finally this week, I want to say thank you to Twitter user Jay in Shanghai, who I've cited on this show before. Jay posted pictures and confirmation that the crown of world's largest supercharger location, and by largest, I don't mean square footage-wise, I mean number of charging stalls, that crown now goes to China. They have opened a 72-stall station in Shanghai. It's located at the Jing'an International Center. However, there is kind of a little uh, split decision here. The, the crown is, is split in a sense. So this station certainly gets the, the nod for having the most number of chargers. However, the pretty new Fireball station here in California between San Francisco and Los Angeles, that one still holds on to the title of the world's largest V3 supercharger station, 56 stalls there. Uh, all of them are V3. The Shanghai location with 72 stalls, they are each 72 kilowatt. Or they're the urban superchargers. So they've got 72, 72 kilowatt stalls in Shanghai, 56, 250 kilowatt stalls here in Fireball about, uh, it's about an hour and a half, two hours from my house. And I do want to get out there and see that at some point. We were going to do it. Uh, the Silicon Valley Owners Club was putting that together as a club event, but the uh, stay-at-home order with the recent surge of COVID-19 cases forced the cancellation of that event. So I'll get out there at some point. Oh, and by the way, speaking of new superchargers, the Tesla.com supercharger page 
has been updated with many more superchargers that are due to come online sometime this year. Uh, it is a lot of them. Far, far too many to rattle off here. TeslaNorth.com put together a pretty good list of them if you'd like to check it out. Also, another fantastic resource that I've mentioned, I think, here and there on the podcast is the website Supercharge.info. And what I like about Supercharge.info is they even give construction updates. Like, they track the nitty-gritty on that site, meaning stuff like whether or not the site is in the permitting stage, the construction phase, or if it's actually come online. So you can take a look for the state or country you're in on supercharge.info or just look at the the big list on teslanorth.com since there are now a lot more superchargers on the way, which is great news. All right, that wraps it up for another busy week of Tesla news, but stick with me. I've got some of your excellent phone calls queued up in the Ride the Lightning hotline coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Time for the Ride the Lightning hotline. Maybe you want to call in and talk about the new Model Y Standard Range Edition or the still-absent long-range rear-wheel drive edition. Whatever's on your mind with regard to Tesla, dial me up. I'd love to hear from you and put you on the show. You can dial in in one of two easy ways. Either way, please try to keep your call to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many callers each week as possible. And the first way that you can call in is to use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software. Just record your 90-second or less message and then email it my way, teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. Pretty simple and straightforward, toll-free number. The number is one 888 989-8752. Again, that's one 989 tsla And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Meanwhile, for those of you backing me at the ludicrous tier or higher on Patreon... The new monthly bonus mini episode is up featuring all of the extra excellent phone calls that I didn't have time to get to during the regular weekly shows. If you were included in that mini episode and you're not backing me on Patreon, feel free to email me at the address I just gave, and I'm happy to give you a download token for this episode so that you can hear your uh, call and my response to it since you were kind enough to call in. Those folks are Mike Falcone, Kaz from San Diego, Pete from Western Australia, Jeff from Durham, North Carolina, Adam from Portland, Chris from Chicago, Paul in Phoenix, Alex from Winter Garden, Mark from Clay, New York, and Somi from Vancouver. All right, with that, let's roll on with this week's calls, starting with Mark in Menlo Park. Hey, Ryan, this is Mark from Menlo Park. Hope you're doing well today. Just finished listening to your podcast this morning, January 3rd, and um, I've realized that over the last few uh, episodes uh, during December, you've been talking about a subscription model for full self-driving. I leased my Model 3 in September, and I did not get full self-driving because I wasn't available yet, and I didn't know how much I would be using it during the lease period. 
But looking at this, thinking of the subscription model, I um, have gone on to the order uh, entry part of the Tesla website. And if you order almost any car and you um, look at the lease price and then you check the um, uh, full self-driving option and watch the lease price go up, it's about $140 to $150 uh, more per month to lease the car. That may provide an interesting um, uh, clue to the future pricing of the subscription. Anyway, I enjoy your podcast, um, and I'll keep listening. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. Mark, thank you so much for your call. Uh, this is a brilliant observation. Love it. That definitely seems to shed a little bit of light on this. I mean, I thought that $100 per month was too low. I thought $199, a.k.a. $200, felt right, but... As you note, maybe the answer has been staring us right in the face in the leasing configurations, uh, and it's going to split the difference there and be $150 from the, the that low-end $100 and the, the $200 I was thinking. Now, the good news is that we shouldn't have to wait too much longer to find out. Thank you again for your call, Mark. Here's Bill from Erie, Pennsylvania, talking Cybertruck. Hi, Ryan. This is Bill from Erie, Pennsylvania, long-time listener, first-time caller. My question is, given a Cybertruck order holder and your experience with a stainless steel body, um, what's the polish, polishing options? What are, what are the maintenance options, if any? Just interested as I look forward to that Cybertruck order coming through. Thanks. Hey, Bill, welcome to the podcast. Well, I am happy to speak to this because for me, any excuse to reminisce about my DeLorean days makes me happy. Uh, and the fact that my accumulated stainless steel knowledge as it applies to the exterior of cars, the fact that that might actually be useful to my Tesla audience here is uh, that's just icing on the cake for me. So uh, some DeLorean owners... I have seen in the past they would use stainless steel polish on their cars. I tried it once, and for me, my humble opinion, I found the result to be not worth the effort. For me, it just made the car even more fingerprinty, which it's going to be already because it's bare stainless steel. Uh, so again, I say that every time I talk about the, the stainless steel on the Cybertruck. Mentally prepare yourself as a Cybertruck owner to walk out to your Cybertruck a lot, particularly when you first get it, because it's still going to be a new thing in the world. Prepare to have fingerprints. That's uh, just going to prepare you. Uh, but again, they wipe right off. Nobody, you know, hopefully won't, nobody will scratch it with a, you know, jewelry or anything, but fingerprints are going to happen. But anyway, the stainless steel polish for me, it just made the fingerprinting worse, and I I also didn't personally think it really made the stainless look any better than just a nice soap and water wash. So just my humble opinion there. Um, but yeah, that's soap and water. That's all I would use. I just use that. It'll keep the stainless steel looking great forever. Uh, and, and again, that's <laughs> that ease of cleanliness, that, that ease of maintenance. It's one of the big reasons that I personally miss having a stainless steel bodied car. It just requires so little maintenance in comparison to a traditional paint job. Uh, you are in for a treat 
when you get your Cybertruck bill. Thank you so much for calling in. Going to go down to Atlanta now and talk to Harry. Hey, Ryan. It's Harry from Atlanta again. Just wanted to touch base with you and tell you um, two things for a very hopeful 2021 uh, after a very crazy end of quarter with um, uh, a lot of delivery pressure. Uh, it took me a few days to recover from that. But um, one thing that is good to know for all new Tesla owners, there is a serious push to expand the service centers. Uh, no no inside information here, but just uh, know that it's coming and it'll help um, with everybody's uh, ownership experience uh, that we have enough service coverage for, for all the new owners. The next one of my one of my favorite deliveries right before the new year was a gentleman as we were waiting for the paperwork to be processed, we started talking about the stock price among many things. And he let me know that he was a Tesla short. And uh after losing a, a large amount on shorting Tesla, he said if you can't beat him, join him. So last summer he switched his position and bought some Tesla stock, uh, enough so that he was able to afford a new uh, Model 3, which um, he seemed very happy about, and I was certainly very happy to hear uh, we converted another one of the um, short Tesla. And hopefully that's a trend going forward as we see the uh, uh, the delivery just continue to go. So just uh, good things to look forward to. We're, we're changing the world as Elon said, it's never easy to change the world, but we are doing it at Tesla. Thanks for your podcast, and have a great day. Harry, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, I heard from Harry 10 episodes ago, episode 274. He's a six-year Tesla employee, so he's been there a while. Harry, uh, thank you very much for your overtime efforts at the end of another crazy quarter and another big year for Tesla. Your work is not taken for granted. Now, given that you're in the major city that is Atlanta, it would not surprise me if there are a few listeners out there who, in fact, might have taken delivery from you or your team here at the end of December just recently. As for your call, uh, both of those things make me extremely happy to hear. First, that some of the Tesla short sellers are sensible enough to realize that, hey, there's actually a good thing going on with these cars and with this company. That that anecdote that you shared really warms my heart. It does. Uh, as does your word that a major service center expansion is coming. That is, to me, the number one thing or maybe at worst 1B thing along with build quality and fit and finish that's just a, a concern for many owners uh, it's certainly, as I said, it's been my big worry for Tesla for a while. I, I've uh, I've long expressed on this podcast that as Tesla is growing so fast that the service situation, if, if they don't stay on top of it, could become their Achilles heel. So uh, the good news is that Tesla certainly can afford to put a lot of resources into it now. And I'm thrilled to hear from you that plans are in the works to invest more resources into service indeed. Cheers, Harry. Thanks so much. Josh from Virginia is next. Go ahead, Josh. Hey, Ryan. This is Josh from Virginia. Uh, love your show. Been listening for, for several years now. Um, just calling because I, I wanted to let all the customers of Tesla know that the, uh, the tie repair kits from Tesla are probably all defective. Um, I, I've had, I had one that I ordered uh, two, back in 2018, 
that I went to first use because I had a flat tire, um, and it uh, it worked for about ten minutes filling up a, a, a tire, uh, putting air in the tires, and then it just died, and it would never work again. Um, I found some posts online saying there's there's like a metal metal uh, piece that's missing in the can- in the the canister, um, but e- even just filling up air. Just using it to fill a flat tire, not not even using the the sealant canister, uh, it it died, and it wouldn't work either way um, on either setting. Afterwards, it just completely died. I waited waited several hours, plugged it in, tried to use it again, same issue, didn't didn't still didn't work. So I ordered a new one from Tesla, um, got that one, went to fill up a flat tire, add some air to a tire actually, um, and it died, and it just won't won't work again. And it died in the middle of me using it, and um, just just wanted to make sure all the Tesla customers know uh, that they, their tire repair kits are unreliable and, and they may have future issues with them. So um, test them before you before you rely on them. Josh, I am very sorry to hear of your negative experience on this. I mean, respectfully, it might not be fair to say they're probably all defective, but. Your point is nevertheless taken when you caution people against buying it. I mean, you are certainly well within your rights based on what you've gone through with a couple of these to strongly recommend against buying it. Now, to try and add a recommendation here, uh, by coincidence, I happened to get an email from listener Brian Loeffler recently who had a great experience with a different kit. In fact, I'm just going to read you his email. This is credit to Brian here. He says, I can wholeheartedly recommend the Stop and Go 1075 tire repair kit and a quality air compressor pump. After we'd had our Model 3 performance for a couple months, we headed off on a wonderful 6,000 kilometer road trip up the east coast of Australia and back. Only downside of the trip was that a few hundred kilometers in, we picked up a screw in a rear tire. The pressure warning indicator came on and we pulled off the highway right away. After calling Tesla Roadside and our own motoring roadside helpline, we realized that we'd have to attempt a repair ourselves to avoid a long delay and avoid having the car towed. So we pulled out the Stop and Go 1075 and set about removing the screw and following the instructions for plugging the hole. Remarkably, it worked like a charm. We then made our way slowly to the nearest tire retailer. The repair specialist inspected our work and assured us that he couldn't do a better job than we'd already done. So we set off again, gingerly at first, but gradually gathering confidence in the repair as the kilometers rolled by. A year later, and with more than 15,000 kilometers more covered on that repaired tire, it's still going strong. The repair kit saved our holiday road trip. We highly recommend it to you. The kit includes plugs, an inserter gun, and a reamer to clear the puncture uh, ready to receive the plugs. And so, uh, so first of all, thank you, Brian. Second of all, that was... Quite the anecdote to the point where uh, I went ahead and ordered the Stop and Go 1075 kit off of Amazon based on Brian's recommendation. Now, thankfully, you guys, if you've been listening to me since I got the car two and a half years ago, you know that uh, sharp foreign objects in my tires have been a frequent problem for me. And knock on wood, I haven't had anything lately, so I have thankfully have not needed to test out the stop and go 1075 kit, but I'm keeping it around for road trips. I mean, I'm sure now I don't mean this to suggest that 
this this uh, stop and go, which by the way, I have no affiliation or anything for it. Again, this is just a listener recommendation. But I'm sure there are plenty of good kits out there. But firsthand experience like Brian had uh, is enough for me to say, well, sure, I'm going to go ahead and trust that one. That uh, that one. So went ahead and bought it. Thank you very much for your call, Josh. And thank you, Brian, for the recommendation. Hopefully it can be of use to other folks besides just me. Although, again, I hope I never need it. Uh, let me do here. Let's see. We've got a couple more calls this week. Joe from Anchorage is having an issue with the uh, his new iPhone in his new Model Y. Go ahead, Joe. Hi, Ryan. Joe from Anchorage, Alaska. Longtime listener, second-time caller. I'm calling in regards to the new iPhones not working in the built-in chargers in the Model Y. Uh, we really love our new Model Y, but when my wife and I both bought the new 12 Pro Max, I noticed that the charger will not charge the case with the case on. I was wondering if that's a new problem, if, if others have a workaround. Uh, let me know. Love to hear from your callers. Joe, thank you for your call, and I'm sorry to hear this. I did some digging after listening to your call, and sure enough, you are not the only one here. Kendall in San Ramon, California, from the Tesla Motors Club forums posted, I had some trouble initially, but if I pushed it down a bit, it started working. I have the Apple silicone case on it, but it's definitely more fickle than the 11 Pro that it, re- re- that it replaced. Pardon me. Another forum poster there said that they stuck an Apple MagSafe puck on top of the Tesla charging pad with double stick tape so that the puck stays in place, and they claim that it charges the phone great on that. Uh, others on that thread have say they've 3D printed spacers for the wireless charging dock and have had success getting the phone to stay in contact and charge it that way. So uh, if there's some more information in the thread, if you Google Tesla Motors Club Forum iPhone 12 Pro Max charging, you should find the thread pretty easily. Joe, good luck. Thank you so much for your call. And let's see. Let's keep it going here. Scott from Austin is next. Hi, Ryan. Scott from Austin. I've got a pro tip concerning your garage break-in. I had a similar break-in a couple years back, and I learned that I could replace my glass with a ballistic grade of plexiglass, which will not break, even if you beat on it with a hammer. So, uh, next time burglars come to the house, you know that your belongings are secure, your vehicles are secure, and you have some peace of mind. Hope this helps. Bye. Scott, thank you very much for that. I have, in fact, done something similar. I've now got triple redundancy in my garage. So I'd already wrap my cord tight around that J-arm, which, as I told you, already thankfully did succeed in preventing the thieves from getting into my garage. So I'm just going to leave it wrapped up like that, because why not? Second, uh, a neighbor mentioned a product to me on Amazon that that I looked up called the Garage Shield. And it's a literal piece of plastic that's in the shape of a shield that installs without any tools right onto the that J arm, and it you know it just acts as a deflector to just keep any hooks from getting to your release lever. So uh, I ordered one of those because it was like twenty five bucks. And then third, I thought, well, wait a second, let's uh, let's let's. I'm thinking like you're thinking. Wait, a, why don't I just really protect it uh, closer to the glass level? So I just had plexiglass panels put in on the inside of my garage door windows. Is that overkill? Yes. Can thieves still break the regular glass windows? Yes, 
But honestly, uh, this way, it, it was cheaper to just have these plexiglass p pieces put in on the inside than to like replace all the windows with, with ballistic glass, uh, especially because I'm kind of considering a roll-up garage door a little down the road uh, when I consider how to best house the uh, the next car that's that's coming to our family here in a couple of years. So I, again, I have a very strange San Francisco garage setup that's that's mo that's just weirder and sillier than most people's. I realize I, I am not the normal situation, but thank you very much for the recommendation. And I am indeed I have taken you up on a version of that advice. Finally, this week, Robert from North Pole, Alaska calls in. We're going to set the record straight once and for all here on taking your Tesla across the Canadian or Mexican border. Go ahead, Robert. Hello, Ryan. This is Robert from North Pole, Alaska. Longtime listener, first time caller. I'm calling to try to clear up some confusion about taking your Tesla across international borders. Yes, if you try to import your Tesla from, say, the U.S. to Europe or Asia, your car will probably lose LTE service. But at least in North America, if you cross into Mexico or Canada, your car will continue to connect to the Internet with no issues at all. Yes, this may have been an issue a few years ago, but it is not today. Last year, in July of 2019, I had to move to Alston Air Force Base, Alaska. I drove my Model 3 all the way from upstate South Carolina to Fairbanks, Alaska with no issues at all. I made the trip all the way up to Edmonton, Alberta, Canada's supercharger, which is the furthest supercharger you can currently make on the trip. From there, I had the luck of having three EV level two chargers, but for the most part, it was, I was having to rely on RV parks to charge the car. My entire trip through Canada, my car connected to the internet uh, with no problems. It operated just like it would in the lower 48 and how it does here in Alaska right now. It connected to the internet with no issues at all. The only problems I had were the long stretches on the west side of Canada where there just simply is no internet service. And I have the same issue here in Alaska and a lot of parts that I drive. I hope that clears up some confusion. Continue to make an awesome pod podcast. Thank you. Robert, thank you so much for this clarification. I got a number of calls about this. The short of it is the good news, it works. Uh, I want to thank Somi from Vancouver, who called in with this as well. Tip of the cap to her. And I also want to thank Lorenzo from Portugal, who said that in Europe, there's no roaming charges. It just picks up the next carrier, depending on which country you're in. So it works in Europe as well. Thank you to everybody who called in about this. I am glad that that is actually a pretty seamless, easy thing if you're driving your Tesla across international borders. That'll wrap it up for the phone calls this week, but keep them coming. Again, I'd love to hear from you. I gave you the call-in information at the top of this segment, so I look forward to hearing from you in the next week or whenever you want to dial in, and I'll do more Ride the Lightning calls next week. But for now, I'm not quite done. Stick with me. I'll be right back with your pro tip of the week and more right after this. Well, real quick, if you're interested in a movie recommendation as quarantine rolls on, my family and I watched Pixar's new one, Soul, over the holiday break. Really enjoyed it. It was, uh, it was excellent. I mean, if you've got Disney+, Plus. I guess there's a decent chance you may have already watched it by now. But if you haven't, I definitely recommend it. 
It was uh, it was definitely one of my favorite Pixar's in a little while. They're uh, in the, amongst their sort of recent crop of stuff. Time for the pro tip of the week. This one comes in from Walter in Manchester, California. I'll rush here from Manchester, California. I have a pro tip for you. My wife was uh, with me the other day, and we were driving along, and she puts down the visor, and the sun was just a tad below it, and I told her, raise the seat up, and she said, it is up, and I said, well, there's a little cosmetic mirror there. Try pulling down the flap on that, and darn if it didn't work. It gave her an extra inch of coverage from the sun, and... uh, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, when the sun was in a different part of the sky, she just flipped it up and she was ready to go. Thanks a lot for everything that you do for the show and all the Tesla community. Have a great new year. Walter, that is the very definition of a pro tip. That is, in fact, that that's a, that's a life hack right there. That's not just a pro tip. Thank you very much for that. I love it. That is great. Just for those those few moments of the day where the sun goes is just under the visor. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. If any of you out there also have a pro tip of the week, something in that vein, maybe something that's not covered in the manual that you found that's interesting about your car, please feel free to call in and share it with the rest of the Ride the Lightning audience. You can dial in the same way that you do the Ride the Lightning phone calls. All right, with that, it is time for me to hit the road. First, I wanted to mention my Patreon. That is the way uh, that you can support this podcast, if you so choose. You can find all the information for that at patreon.com slash Podcast. That's my Patreon page, and Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Basically, it is, if, it is uh, on you if you so choose you want to pledge five bucks a month in support of my time and energy that I put into this, feel free. You want to do 10? Well, I've got, that's, that's the bonus episode tier, the ludicrous tier, and it goes on up. You can, uh, you can see all the information on the Patreon page, but I do put a lot of time and energy into this and, and hopefully, uh, fact checking and enthusiasm and, and, uh, I hope you enjoy it. And again, if you're, if you're willing and able, I would sincerely appreciate your support if at all possible, but If not, hey, I'm always going to be here for you anyway, each and every week. Uh, Let's see here. Ah, Jada, they're running a sale. They've got some new products coming up, but for now, the current stuff is on sale, whether it's the wireless charging pad for the pre-2021 Model 3s or the USB hubs for the Model Y and the Model 3. You can get all of that with a, again, there's a sale, plus, I mean, throw in my discount code. See what happens as well. That's a $10 coupon code, and that code is Ride the Lightning, all one word. The link to use, my referral link here, please use this if you're going to pick up either or both of those products. Type in getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. Jada spelled J-E-D-A. Meanwhile... PureTesla.com slash RTL, your one-stop shop for your dash cam sentry mode needs. I've got the $49 128GB kit in my car. It's micro SD based, so it is built to withstand the constant reading and writing and reading and writing that the dash cam and sentry mode do, which regular USB flash memory is really not conditioned for. So I highly recommend the Pure Tesla kit. Get it at puretesla.com slash RTL. Free shipping anywhere in the U.S. as well on that. 
abstractocean.com. They are a longtime friend of Ride the Lightning. Your one-stop shop for a ton of stuff. The Costco warehouse of Tesla accessories, and I mean that in the very best of ways. They've got the rear footwell lighting kit, the drop-in cup holder stabilizer, the tempered glass screen protectors, the vinyl uh, kits for the uh, old school, meaning <laughs> basically everybody but the very newest Teslas for the, the center console, I mean, to uh, de-fingerprint it with a, you know, a different, a different uh, finish on there from a vinyl wrap. Anyway, just check out, just browse their selection. It's awesome. AbstractOcean.com. And when you're ready to check out, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST and you'll get 15% off of your first order. How about Immaculate Reflections? If you are in the San Francisco Bay Area or going to be here with your car, why not get some of the finest attention that you could possibly give to your car, courtesy of Jeff at Immaculate Reflections. He's got discounts for listeners of this podcast, so uh, you want to get in touch with his web via his website, irdetailing.com, Mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener, and then it's uh, it's up to you to figure out you know what's going to work for you, what's in your budget, what are you looking to do? Maybe some paint correction, maybe some paint protection film, maybe some ceramic coating. Whatever you're looking for, Jeff can definitely help you out. Immaculate Reflections, irdetailing.com. Just about ready to roll here. I think that should be ah the snap plate. I cannot forget. LivingTesla.com slash RTL. Get the snap plate for the 3, the Y, the X, and now, most recently, the Model S they've got it for as well. The front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds for people like me that hate front license plates but are legally required to have one. It's grill safe. It's radiator safe. It's autopilot safe. Clean, minimal design. Check it out. LivingTesla.com slash RTL. Uh, you can listen to this podcast, meaning subscribe, which is a, a not a non-money thing. Subscribe for free at any of the major podcast services, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and yes, TuneIn is in your car, Spotify, uh, in or out of your car. Uh, there's the in-car Spotify interface, which I'm on. Or uh, you can just listen on YouTube as well. There's no video, but... If you want to listen on YouTube, you can do that. You can find my channel by just searching Ride the Lightning Tesla and subscribe there if you so choose as well. Follow me on Twitter if you're interested, at DMC underscore Ryan. Same thing on Instagram, DMC underscore Ryan. The Twitter has a lot of video game stuff in it as well. Uh, the Instagram is all Tesla stuff. So if you prefer, if you want to check me out on either of those social medias, feel free. But if not... It's all good. You're here with me now. That's the most important thing is this podcast. Uh, let's see. Let me say hi before I go to the plaid and maximum plaid level backers. First, the maximum plaid crew, the newest one. Thank you, Darren Nickel, for joining the maximum plaid tier along with Pete White, Danny Nelson, Jonathan Wales, Fernando Cordero, Sean Neidig, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla, excuse me, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, H. Jackson Wallace. Uh, he just goes by Jackson, I found out on the Google Hangout. Sorry, I'll just I'll correct that in my notes right now, Jackson. Charles Galpin, 
Neil Weaver, and Ryan from Las Vegas. And then there is the also awesome plaid level crew, the newest one on the plaid side, Paul Casarino. Paul, welcome aboard and thank you so much for your support. In addition, thanks to George Cassioppo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Will Stedman, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversall, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Steve Radspinner, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, Eric St. Pierre, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club, and Scott Gillis. Thank you all very much for your continued support. It does mean a lot to me, I promise you. That will wrap it up for another busy week of Tesla news here on Ride the Lightning, episode 284 for a... Oh, she's stretching out. She's going to go back to sleep in about five seconds. For Daisy the Boxer, my uh, sleepy co-host over there, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Happy electric motoring, my friends. And I will see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.